Hey there gamers, this is the third and final part of our season premiere, the 70s. I have to apologize for letting this run out so long. Normally we wouldn't do a three-part show like this, but it was hard to cut out bits. I thought this was a really good show and I want to include everything. Uh, we're going to move on to something completely different next episode, but if you haven't listened to the first two parts, I definitely would because we just jump right into the discussion on this third episode and we finish it up. It's a little bit shorter episode, so feel the funk. Of the junk that we throwing down. Tri Tag Podcast starts now. Welcome to the Funkalicious, Funktastic Tri Tag Games Podcast. In the 70s, now I know automatic weapons have been fully developed and everything, but the revolver is king, is it not? I mean, everybody's using a revolver. Right. And I'm thinking of like, I'm thinking like, like taxi driver, you know, it, it's the revolver is still king. I mean, the automatic is, is cool and everything like that. It's, it works great. I mean, 1911, the 1911 is a fantastic gun still. And, you know, automatic weapons work great, but the revolver, you know, there's just something about it. And the sh- and and of course, the pump action shotgun is king as well. Sawed off pump action shotgun. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the uh, the Saturday Night Special, the snub nose. And and look, there are fantastic guns during this time. I mean, you know, H and K is making like awesome sniper rifles. Um, not sorry, assault rifles uh, during this time. There are. Um, submachine guns that are they're just are awesome. There, yeah, there the are. Uzi gets introduced to the American po- uh, uh, populace in our consciousness because of the conflicts over in the Middle East, right? But <laughs> you know, you have all these guns. You know, from a from a role playing standard, if you look at the stats, you're going to want to use something other than a revolver or a pump action shotgun, just because the stats work better. But but for coolness factor, you know, you're using a revolver. If you want to be cool, you're using a 44 Magnum revolver or or 38 special. 357. You know. 357. Right. No, but and you could walk down to any hunting store or gun shop in those days and buy one without a three day waiting period. Right. Oh no no, you're buying handguns right off the shelf. Um, and they're thanking you for the business and asking right. you if you want more ammo. <laughs> right. It's it's not a big. Do you deal. want a, you want a fast loader um, for that for that pistol? A speed loader, right? And Vietnam vets are bringing home their uh, their um, M16s. It's not well, a big no, deal. No, they're not. They're bringing well, home. No. They're bringing home everything. Right. Well, not everything. I mean, no, but but for them to bring home an M16, their M16, it's not a big deal. You know, they yeah, they have to jump through some hoops to make it happen, but it's not really a big deal. Not like it is today. 
No, they, they, would, they would simply go and, and they would make it non-semi-automatic where they could go to a friend of theirs with a machine shop, a metal shop, and turn it back into a full auto with like a half hour, a, a half a day's work. And there's this little book called The Anarchist Cookbook, which you could get a hold of during this time, which... And Abby Hoffman steal right, this book. Right. And then, and today, if you were to try to look that up on the internet, please don't. If you're listening to this, please do not look up the Anarchist Cookbook because I don't want you to it's wind up dangerous. on somebody's watch list. You know. Right. Oh, God. No, they, no, no. It's actually it's dangerous. I hate to say right. it. It's actually a dangerous book because there's some things you do is. in there. Yeah. There are things in there that you can kill yourself. Right. In there. Right. I mean, they actually tell you how to make explosives out of common household chemicals, and you will kill yourself doing that. But back during that time, back during the 70s and, you know, into the 80s or whatever, you know, these are the kind of things that you can get a hold of, and no one can really track you down. It's not It's not like it is today. You, you can get a hold of this stuff. So if you're playing a character who is, like, into making bombs and stuff, you know, you can find this information, and, and there's nobody tracking you down to, to, to do this, so it's not like a big deal. Background you know, checks take a lot longer if they even do them, yeah. Right, right, and you can carry whatever you want onto an airplane, and I mean, you can, you can, <laughs> if you want to sneak a gun onto an airplane in the seventies, it's not a big deal. No, they had, they didn't have metal detectors in the beginning no, of the seventies. but 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 thanks to a certain, thanks to a certain uh, B.D. Cooper, they start showing up. <sighs> I, I remember prior to nine eleven. You know, plane travel was fun. I had flown on planes several times before then, and it was fun. It was easy, and I swear you could smuggle just about anything you wanted onto an airplane. You really could. It really was not that difficult. If you had your mindset to smuggle a gun onto an airplane, you probably could get away with it. So what you smuggle on board? I never smuggled anything. I'm just saying that. If you had your mindset about it, you could. It wasn't a big deal. Uh, it's it's just that you know, to, in today's society, you know, it's hard to imagine that at all. Period. But in the seventies, if you're you're playing a character, and we're playing adventurers, right? So we want to get our our guns and all that kind of stuff on the planes. You you can check guns. I mean, you still can today. But even then, you could you know, if you wanted to check some guns onto an airplane, it wasn't a big deal. You just had to check it in your bag and declare it. It wasn't you know, let's say your character had to fly from the west coast to the east coast to perform a mission. You know, if you wanted to bring your handgun with you, it wasn't really that big a deal. All you had to do is show them identification that you were a cop, and they would let you bring it right on board in its holster. Right. Or if you were just checking in your bag, you say, well, you know, I'm going to a, a competition in, in New York to do some shooting or whatever. Here's my gun permit, blah, 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 blah. And it wasn't a concealed, it wasn't a concealed carry permit. It was just an ownership permit. No big deal. So it, it's really different in the 70s. I mean, the point I'm trying to make is, is that, you know, the role-playing aspect of this is if you're playing a character and your character is in California and you want to go to, you know, New York or D.C. or whatever and you want to take your guns with you, it's really not a big deal. You just check it. You don't – don't even try to carry it on your character in the plane. Nobody will – if you check it in your luggage, no one's going to care. Nowadays, it's a little more difficult. Nowadays, it's, you know – you have to have all the proper permits and all this kind of stuff. Back then, it was way more laxed. 
You know, also another thing that, you know, you bring up airplanes. Another thing that you can tell has completely changed from the 70s to today is the kind of smoking. You could smoke anywhere. There's ashtrays in the armrests. Yeah, my my first plane ride in 1977, going from San Francisco to Washington State, um, people were smoking, just sitting and smoking. Uh, Greyhound buses you could smoke. Yeah, and other countries still may not may still let people smoke. Yeah, it, I mean, it, you were considered uh, it was entitlement. I mean, if so, you did not have the right to tell somebody that their smoke was offending you. Now the other thing you 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 I think that's not the biggest thing you'll notice on board airplanes though. The other thing is the leg room, the space. They're not trying to cram twice the number of people into the same plane. Back in the seventies, you know, it's you 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 know a plane you know a plane that holds like maybe two hundred probably held one hundred and twenty. Back in the seventies, it's not that crowded. I travel all the time for my job. I fly at least once a month to another state. And I still, to this day, fly on airplanes where the armrest, you can tell that that space where the cigarette, um, where the ashtray used to go, has been, like, closed up. Like, I can tell that that used to be an ashtray in my armrest. So, it's sort of a recent thing in a lot of ways, if you think about it, because the airplane I'm flying in is still from that era. I do remember my first flight on a seven forty seven. It was back in the early back. It was, I think it was the, like the year a year after it was it was first it was making commercial flights, and I remember they actually had a play area up in the nose of the air of the of the uh, of the uh, main main cabin floor. It was basically there was no chairs. Uh, you had you had a place you could sit down, and a bunch of kids were in there playing games and playing stuff. It was just amazing. It doesn't exist these days because that's all used. That's, that's important space. You can't have it for kids walking around. Well, that's the other thing. You walked around on the airplane. They didn't tell you to keep your seatbelts on most of the time and strapped in. You walked around. Kids just walking around, up and down the aisles. But, but also, there were flights flying all the time between all the major cities. I mean, you, you literally could go out to an airport plunk down some money and be on a plane within a half hour going anywhere you wanted to go. Yeah, the, 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 we, we cancel the flight if, if there's not enough people on the plane. Never happened back then. They took pride in the fact that they had the more, more flights to various places than any other airline. And they were competing with each other in that regard, not financially uh, in the sense of trying to be cheaper in price, but offering more services, offering better uh, uh, things that to do go on the the food on the airlines. I mean, people wanted to be in first class. They've always wanted to be in first class, but they really wanted to be in first class in the uh, in the seventies. Also, airlines had a lot of giveaways too. When you went on, it was almost kind of like going on a cruise in a sense. I mean, you walked off the plane with a deck of playing cards that were labeled of the you know the the uh, airline that you were on, uh, bags of peanuts. I mean, just all kinds of just amazing things that they would pretty much just give you during the flight and let you walk off the flight with. Oh, you actually got meals on flights like full meals and instead and, and and now you don't even get that so that's another thing you had the full meals on flights you got a dinner on a cross country well, well, well Travi, on a cross on a cross country flight you still do 
Okay, uh, see, uh, I just heard they've banned the whole concept altogether. No, I don't know. No, no. Now, international flight, international flights are a little different. Like, um, if I fly from, because I've done this, if I fly from the East Coast to the West Coast, there's no meal. But if I fly from, when we flew to Germany, we got a meal. Right. But the point here, Blix, is that any time a flight crossed a, a customary dinner, uh, uh, you know, meal time, you got a meal. It, whether it was breakfast or lunch or dinner, you got a meal, and it was it was uh, it was ex- half the time it wasn't even advertised; it was expected. Oh yeah, absolutely, and it, it was probably better than what we get today. I mean, honestly, from from any no, it wasn't better. <laughs> well, the I was going to say the food was never very good. Today they have some really good you know means of of making food last longer. So you know they they, they tended to be cold, it tended to be dry. But the point was is that it really was you know, but it wasn't as as manufactured as it is today, I'll grant you that. You know, and also speaking of airplanes, you know, not to change the topic again, but uh seventies was also filled with a bunch of air airport movies. Yeah. Um yeah, airport. like Airport seventy seven, Airport seventy eight, yep. you know, and they just yeah. didn't see or my favorite airplane. Yeah, I was yes. say, then there was <laughs> No airplane was eighties, but uh Yeah, but it was spoofing the seventies. Yes. As I said you had a lot of disasters in the seventies. Oh, that was also that's Flight of the Condor. Oh, that's the one that they well, anyway, right, it's a World War Two movie, so it's actually not a seventies movie. Seventies era. <laughs> there were other disasters <laughs> like the Poseidon Adventure. Yeah, oh, Earthquake. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. All all the disaster films, you know, came out during that period of time. Yes. No. So yeah, those those are really big throughout the seventies, just various disasters and mm-hmm. you know, the Poseidon. Meteor. Yeah. Another one. Yeah, Poseidon Adventure. Basically an ocean liner tips over and they're having to try to get out of it. Now guys, we've been skirting one type of adventure though that we people can do during the seventies. We've been skirting it. We know it's there. Are you telling me there? Tell me there's a there's a six hundred pound gorilla we haven't acknowledged. Those middling kids, the Scoobies. Yes, the the supernatural that isn't supernatural until it later on it became supernatural. Right, we like to call that skeptical. Yeah, I mean the, the Scooby Scooby Doo lasted the entire start. It started before the seventies started. It lasted past the seventies. If if there's anything that has a uh, that's a, a framework for adventure and supernatural or even non supernatural adventures, it's the Scoobies. You know, Scooby the Scooby Doo. Yeah, there was a lot of cartoons that sprung board off of that. There was even a show. Uh, it, I believe it was called Ghostbusters. It was. Um, oh God, I can't remember the actors. Larry Storch. Larry yes. Storch, the guy. Yes. And 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 uh, the the gorilla, uh, Kong. The, no, no, Kong. No, Kong was Tracy. Was the was Tracy? Spencer Tracy, Tracy and Kong. Tracy, Tracy was the gorilla. Yeah, Tracy was the gorilla. That's right. Yeah, Kong was was uh, was Forrest Tucker. Was this the reason why they had to come out with the show called the Real Ghostbusters? Yes. Yes. Because Filmation already had that as a originally as the live action series. Then they had a cartoon, which were the sons of those characters. Right. Well, the original Ghostbusters was actually movies that were done way, way back in the 40s and 30s, where they actually did do that. And they actually had a gorilla. 
And so it's they they have a, a legitimate right to come out with that, but of course they were cashing in on the huge popularity of the Ghostbuster film. Which I really like the animated Ghostbusters series, the the Ghostbusters, the real Ghostbusters. I really like that series, especially when they did the Cthulhu episode. Oh yeah, the Collect Call of Cthulhu. That was awesome. So, you know, um, to to raise you one, John, uh, on that the James Bond series. I mean, you know, the James Bond series started in the '60s, but it really took off in the '70s. Well, they got campy during the '70s too. Well, yeah, but it, but it. it it really got its traction in the 70s. The 60s were sort of like – it was the start of it and people kind of got it and everything. But then, man, the 70s, ba 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 bam there's a whole bunch of epi- – you know, a whole bunch of movies. Um, I think there might have been – you know, I'm not really sure, but I think the 70s produced the most James Bond movies. Yes, with Roger Moore. Right. Yeah. He, was, he was the – I mean, for a lot of people, Roger Moore was James Bond, where those of us who had born, been born earlier always thought of Sean Connery. I was a Sean Connery Bond. Oh, I love Connery too. Yeah, he is completely Bond to but, me. But, but, but the 70s – I mean, the 70s is Cold War era, and, and you can really play it up. That's what I was saying. You know, there's a lot of spy stuff going on in there, and you can use that James Bond-type gadgetry, and people believed it. Right. So if, if you're a fringeworthy, you know, coming into this world, even if you're a Bureau 13, I mean, either way, it doesn't matter. You know, um, you can do a whole James Bond thing. You can totally do a James Bond thing. As a matter of fact, I think it'd be a lot of fun, um, you know, as a Bureau 13 agent getting involved in the whole uh, – Moonraker. Um, Moonraker. Oh, yeah. Oh, well, Moonraker. Wasn't that 80s? That was 80s, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. Moonraker was yeah. 80s. Oh, I mean, they crossed quite a few years. Yeah, but but what the heck? I mean, you know, we're talking bureau and stuff. It could be the seventies. There's, there's no problem yeah, with that. Yeah. Actually, one of my favorite Roger Moore '70s Bond films was *Live and Let Die*, with the whole like voodoo oh, yeah. thing and uh, Baron Samedi. Absolutely, all that. that was oh, yeah. just really neat. And that plays in a bureau thirteen, like completely. Yeah. Because you're never quite sure in that movie. Does he have powers or doesn't she have powers? You're not sure. In, if you're playing a Bureau 13 game, yeah. got powers. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, so at, at the end of Live and Let Die, when they thought they had banished Samedi and everything else, they're, they're on a train taking off, and he's sitting right on the back of the train after he was supposed to have been destroyed or killed at the end of Live and Let Die. It was the actor who did all those Colonet commercials, and I can't remember his name. Jeffrey Taylor, I believe the actor's name was. All right, so hey, hey, we got to wrap this up soon because we're, we're running long here. But we 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 can't wrap it up before we talk about '70s slang because that that really colors the era. Oh yeah, let me. Okay, so um, you know, solid was was the was the word that they used on the Mod Squad. Bogart, man. Cool was always good. Let's see. Dig? Can you dig it? Um, dig. Let me bring up. Let me bring up the glossary here in solid. Just some of the stuff that they said here. Let- dig is. I use dig all the time. Still, I I love. But that's mo- that was that was more of a '60s holdover. I thought. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's fine. That's fine. It goes through. It goes hey, through I'm the not, '70s. I'm with it. You got the the main Frank from uh, the '70s. Jive. How many of you out there thought of the skit from Airplane? Oh, yeah. Right. 
Yes, and, stewardess. And, I speak jive, and it's Barbara Billingsley. And, and what you don't want to be? You don't want to be a jive turkey. Huh? Oh, no. No, no, no. Let's see. You got the fuzz, the man. Foxy. All Fox- the lyrics from Come Together. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> a foxy, groovy, jive turkey, far out. What it is, what it was, and what it will be. Dino Mud! Absolutely. What about Righteous? And Far Out. Fool! Right on, right on. John, I hate I hate to say this. They really don't pronounce the L. Swell, fool! <laughs> and, and it also depended upon which culture we're talking about, because the Western culture with the whole CB radio spawned a whole lot of stuff versus what you had in your more urban areas. Over and out, you know, right. uh, or like understood... County Mountie was, you know, the county sheriff or any type of cop. Uh, Bear was another one because a lot of sheriffs were smoky at Bear Hat. Right. And Bear in the Air was a smoky in a helicopter. Yes. My parents had CBs. My dad was Thumper Rabbit. Rabbit. My mom was Foxy Lady. I remember this. <laughs> what? Wait a minute. It was their handles. Oh, that was stop. their handles. No. No. <laughs> that was them. We called, we called our RV the Cuckoo's Nest after the movie. Oh, and, 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 and as one word, que pasa? So if, if you want to run your adventure uh, in the 70s, it's really good for, your, you, for you to take your character and just you know, go through all the 70s slangs and pepper you know, your words with those because it really brings that flavor in. You know, with, the, with the dress and with the words, uh, it really can help bring that, that whole feeling of the 70s alive. Right. Yeah, if you're going to if you're going to play a 70s character and you really want to get into the spirit of it, you know, get yourself a nice big afro and some pork chops and um, learn some of the 70s slang. Yeah, get get watching some of the movies and even there are modern day movies besides the Samuel L. Jackson Shaft. There's Undercover Brother with um Eddie Griffin. You're missing it, you know. Shagadelic. Austin Powers <laughs> Gold Member. That is another one that's any <laughs> black exploitation with uh, Mike Myers and uh, Beyonce. That's right. another one you can get for 70s esque. No one actually mentioned I'm going to get you sucker, which I think was a really awesome parody of. Uh... Oh, and what was it? Uh, a Quint Tarantino did um, Foxy Brown. That's a good hit up. I mean, you, you can find some really good stuff from that. No, Jackie Brown was what you're thinking. Foxy Brown was Pam Greer. Jackie Brown, Tarantino brought oh, Pam right. Greer back. Right, right. That was uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. You're right. Jackie Brown was was a parody. Was sort of like a parody homage to to the whole Foxy Brown stuff. Yeah. Here's another one. Uh, 1995 Clockers with uh, done by Spike Lee, starring Harvey Keitel, would be oh, considered yeah? a 70s s. Yeah, there's a a filmography here in solid. So I'm seeing a bunch of them here. Uh, Disco Godfather, Do the Right Thing, Spike Lee's Look at Racial Tension from All Sides, Not Just Black. So, I mean, like, like a big thing, I mean, like, all right, so you're playing in the 70s. So the, so the big thing to know is is that, you know, it, it's it's not like today in that, you know, it's hard for you to be tracked down. You know, you're not, you don't have the the, the, the computer, just take all the computer stuff out. I mean, there's, there's computers in the 70s, but honestly, it's really just getting its start. It, you can't really use them to find people and all that kind of stuff. Information is still word of mouth and by, at the most, telephone. 
Right. You might have to beat it out of somebody. Right. It's all physical on the street kind of stuff. Well, not each person you're getting the information from. But, no, yeah. no. But for you as a character. Right. And that's, oh, that's yeah, the yeah. fun yeah. part. <laughs> you know? Well, yeah, you you definitely get, you have to, you know, this is where being a power detective, having power detective skills comes in handy because you're used to finding people who are missing, so to speak. Oh, yeah. oh yes, your skills, yeah. bluff, yeah. gather information, diplomacy, intimidate. You're hitting the streets. Yes, legwork, all, all those type of skills will come into play here for... Your characters, whatever names you throw, depending on the game. You're trying to find Johnny Two Tones, so you gotta find Johnny Two Tones' friend. See where they, see where he's hiding out at. Let's see what what else what else is 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 going to be completely different from the '70s than we than we expect today. Oh, television. You four channel, you know, three channels. Maybe you got a UHF channel, so you may only have four channels plus one UHF. Uh, maybe a PPS channel. You know, if you're in the right time, if you're in the late seven, in mid late seventies, if you're playing a female character, you're large and in charge, and you should be. You know, you should you should be uh, taking that role, and, and people should not know how to handle. That was you. one of the things that Charlie's Angels did. They always had these things where they would uh, be very provocative before the station break, and then they'd come back, and the guys, you know, and the guy would say, "Oh yeah, I'm all for this." Oh really? Well, okay, okay. I guess we we'll have to swear out a you know a sexual harassment suit against you. Then he's like, "You can do that," <laughs> and all of a sudden he's coughing up everything that they want to know because he's he's terrified of the fact that what was considered just good old boy behavior is now legally actionable. So you know there there was a lot of ignorance of the law which allowed a lot of people to get away with stuff. And if you came in with the knowledge, you know the power. Uh, that was power, and you could actually, you know, uh, your bluff skills could be uh, get synergies with knowledge, you know, knowledge law or whatever else it might be. Uh, knowledge civics, yeah. Knowledge yeah. civics could allow you to just to totally bamboozle people about what could be done and what couldn't be done and what they could be arrested for. And, you know, as, as a police officer or playing a, a government agent of any kind, you could just totally, you know, scare them to death with stuff like that. Yeah. Though this is this is when the era when the, a lot of the cop shows started doing Miranda rights on the TV on the show. So yeah, you have the right to remain silent. You have a right to attorney. You know right. all about that stuff. Yeah, you can play. You sh- and you should if you're playing a guy from this time. If you're playing a male figure from this time, you should also, you know, remember that that men are chauvinistic. It's not their fault. They don't know any better. And they right, they don't know any better. And if you want to, it can be funny. I mean, you can have fun with it. You know, it it doesn't have to be all serious. You you can have fun with it, and you can play a male character who's over the top male and says all the wrong things, and he does, and he doesn't get in trouble for it. Well, he he may get in trouble for it, but but one of the things, for example, is is that uh, an you know your average male character, an authority, will never refer to a woman by her given name. It'll be doll, honey, sweetheart, broad, sugar britches, angel drawers, what, what yeah, happened? whatever. And, he, and, and and he won't even blink. I mean, he's not even coming on to her. He's just talking. Hey, there, right. Toots, how you doing? Go get me some coffee. You know that. Right. But if if you're playing a female character in this role, being that you're the player character. You know, that's where you have the ability to put him in his place. You know, most females during this time wouldn't because of the situation and because of their role. Been trained that that's the way it is. And right, right. Yeah, no, but, no, the female PC, no, no. no that guy's the looking. Female, 
The female PC is different. The female PC can put him in his place. Oh, yeah. Right. That guy will end up with a mouthful of loose teeth, yeah. Right, exactly. Yeah, don't forget. Yeah, your, your, your female PC is going to be more like Bobby Riggs versus, you know, um, not Bobby Riggs, uh, Billie Jean King right. versus Bobby and, Riggs. And I would, I would say if you're going to play in this time, if you're going to play in this time that you all kind of agree that this is sort of the time it is and have fun with it, you know? I mean, like if you're, let, let's, look, let's say you have a mixed playing group. And you have females and you have males in your group. And, you know, the women in your group are playing female characters and the men are playing male characters. I'm just going to make this assumption. And the male characters are, you know, doing their 70s thing and talking, you know, in that time and in that genre, just like we're talking. You know, it can make for some really fun interactivity. You know, you as the female character can can, can speak up and, and, you know, say your piece and the male characters can dismiss you the way that that you know people did in the 70s and and honestly don't get too serious about it have fun with it you know you know have fun with that time how stupid people were during that time and and how backwards that time was but at the same time it it, it was a it was a time of, of pivotal change you know people were stupid but at the same time things were changing so you know you can play out that role and have fun with it, and just go with it, and 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 have a good time with it. So, so James, do you want to um, do you want to close out with anything? I mean, you know, you're you're doing the '70s game. Do you want to? Um, does anything you want to say? Well, I, I I think the what I was just trying to say in the uh, earlier is I think with the '70s, you really just have to kind of look at it for what it is, and really just draw from just the rich background. I mean, there's just so much stuff there. Um, you know, and it doesn't have to go the way of, of silly black exploitation. It doesn't have to go the way of a cop show. It's but there's just so many things to draw from. Just really, just you know, use what you can and just uh, you know, take it for what it was. Just a, a really great time in history. Right. And hey, um, James, where can we find you again? Just to make sure, you know, just just um, touch that again. Oh. Oh, yep. You can uh, find me and my works over at uh, www.chapter13press.com. Excellent. Well, thanks for coming on, uh, James. We really enjoyed having you as a as a co-host. Well, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. And we'll have to do it again. Oh, definitely. Well, that's it for the Season 3 premiere of the TriTac Podcast. I hope you've really enjoyed this, and I hope we didn't go too long on you. Next episode is going to be something completely different, and uh, I'm glad you stuck it out this long. I hope you keep listening. We really appreciate your listenership. Please take a little bit of time to go into iTunes and leave us a review. Uh, comment on our forums, comment on our boards, comment on our Facebook page. Uh, we really need the input. Uh, we, we've been delivering a show for you. We think you like it, but we're not really sure because we haven't gotten a whole lot of feedback. Um, we need more, more feedback. And that way we can give you exactly what you want. All right, y'all. Thanks for listening. Keep listening. Dig. Yo, the Tri-Tag Games podcast belongs to the bad mother. Shut you The tri Games. Listen up, you brothers. The Tri-Tag Games podcast is licensed under a creative commons attribution. Non-commercial. No derivative 3.0 license. So don't go to anything bad or hunt you down.